All right, Shabbos, say good morning, good morning. Let us begin. Begin by thanking our sponsors this morning. Our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of year, the last day of the year. Yonah and Shoshi Ehrenfeld for dedicating all the Sherman Joshua's this month. In memory of their grandfather, Yosef Ben Shmuel Aaron, Benjamin and Elise Wall of for dedicating the Shurim this month in memory of Moshe Chaim Ben Tzvi Hirsch. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, the Neshama will have an Aliyah, and the families in Nechama. Also with that, let us begin. We have a lot to do today, Baruch Hashem. The schos to finish the parak and the Meretz Hashem begin the new parak. So we are picking up, today's daf is Pei Dalit 84. And we are picking up the Meretz Hashem on Pei Gimel Amud Bey's 83b, the last line. Amrav Nachar Yitzchak, Af Anan Nami Tanina. Despite the encouragement by David Schwartz, I wasn't able to get to the finish line yesterday for the daf. Sorry. Right, okay, so but we're going to make it to the finish. You know, better late to the finish line than never. So I so remember again, in yesterday's, at the end, end of yesterday's shir, we spoke about the idea that as much as we have seen a dramatic opinion that an androgynous is treated like a zakhar, we've pointed out that the concept of androgynous being a zakhar doesn't apply in all areas of halacha. So for example, you could hold that an androgynous, an androgynous human being is considered to be a zakhar, but that doesn't necessarily translate to the fact that you would hold an androgynous in other situations in halacha is considered to be like a male. So one of the examples we gave to that was with the halachos concerning karbanos. So the Gemara goes, right? We also learned this concept that an androgynous is not considered to be a zahar. Let's say, for example, when it comes to sacrificial law. For example, the Gemara says, So I will say these are all different types of situations. Kilayim means an animal that's a mixed breed. An animal that is bred from two different other, uh, other animals. Trefa, an animal that has a terminal condition from which it would die from within a year. Yotze dofen, an animal born in cesarean section. Tumtum, vaadrogenes, lokidushin vlomakachin. So we'll see what those terms mean in just a moment. I will say, but the point over here you see is that halacha you cannot use a tumtum and androgynous animal for sacrificial purposes. So you see over here that at least in this area of halacha, of sacrificial law, tumtum is not considered to be a zohar. It's not considered to be male. What does it mean, lomakachim? Lokidushin v'lomakachin. Bamar Shmuel, lokidushin bitmura v'lomakachin ba'osei tmura. So I will say what it means is like this. We know the halachos of Tmura says as follows. If you have a consecrated animal and you exchange it for another animal, there is a penalty. What's the penalty? Both animals are considered to be consecrated. So the Gemara says, but if the animal isn't androgynous, number one, it can't make a Tmura and it can't become a Tmura, which makes sense. At the end of the day, if the animal itself is incapable of ultimately accepting or acquiring sacrificial sanctity, then by definition, it can't make a temura and it can't become a temura. So for example, if you were to consecrate an androgynous animal and then you were to swap out the androgynous animal for another animal, the second animal wouldn't be Kodesh, right? So in other words, androgynous can't generate temura. Similarly, if you had a consecrated animal and you wanted to swap that animal for an androgynous animal, the swap would be halachically irrelevant. Nothing would happen. Again, let's say the Gemara just highlighting the idea that even if you accept the idea that androgynous is a zahar, let's say again when it comes to human beings, doesn't automatically mean that androgynous would be a zahar in other areas of halacha. Beautiful. So the Gemara says, Omer, So Rabbi says that if a man has relations with an androgynous, has an androgynous, that is Mishkav Zachar, right? That is considered to be, that is considered Mishkav Zachar, and therefore, again, it's punishable by Skila. So the Gemara says, Tanya, remember again, our entire Mishnah really focusing on the opinion that androgynous is considered to be like Zachar. The way we pass in say is really that androgynous is Suffolk. And in fact, again, really androgynous is very a bifneatsma. It's almost like its own entity. But we don't pass in that it's a zakhar. So the words of Tanya, I'm a Rebbe. Rebbe says as follows. Kishalachti lumal Torah eitzal Rebbe Lazar ben Shamua. Let's listen to this. So Rebbe says, when I went to learn Torah by Rebbe Lazar ben Shamua, Kavru alav talmidov ketarnagolim shabbes bukyo. 
the Talmidim in the base Medrash ganged up on me like the roosters of base Bokya. Everyone knows about the roosters of base Bokya. What's the Pshat? Apparently in base Bokya, the, the roosters were very territorial. Right? And if you tried to go ahead and encroach on their territory, they would fight you off. So Rabbi says, I came to the base Medrash of Elazar ben Shamua, and I tried to find my place there in the base Medrash. And what happened? The other Talmidim would not let me speak up. They, they literally would not let Rashi says over here. Bekiim, the, the Talmidim of Elazar ben Shamua's base Medrash were Bekiim, were erudites, right? They, they, were, they were very scholarly. The Kharifim, they were sharp. And they would not let someone who they did not know, you know, kind of say something, speak up. So Rabbi says, like, I come to the new base Madrash, and they're fighting me. They're fighting me. So the Gemara says, I'm sorry. And the truth is, when I was there, I was really only able to learn one thing. What was the one thing? Mishnah Senu, Rabbi Eliezer, Omer, Androgynous, Chayovin, Alav, Kizachar. It was interesting. So ultimately, Rabbi says in the base measure of Lazar ben Shamua, it was, a, it was a, a very sharp and very, very difficult atmosphere there. And I was only able to learn one thing, namely Rabbi Lazar holds an androgynous is like a Zachar. And therefore, if a man has relations with an androgynous, Ultimately, one is Chayiv Skila. Hadjun Allah, Haravosai, Mazel Tov. Mazel Tov, Mazel Tov. Ninth parak of Meseches Yevamas. Here you go, Abosai. A little bit, a little bit back to, a little bit back to Yevamas now. So the Mishnah says as follows. Yesh mutaros la'ba'alein v'asuros li'yemeyen. So Abosai, the Gemara is going to go ahead now and give a whole bunch of different categories. So there are certain women who are mutar to their husbands and usher to their Yavam. Or sometimes mutaras leave main vasaros Some women who are mutter to their yavam, but ultimately usher to their husband. And then there's a third case of mutaros the elu uli elu. And then we'll say there's a third case of women who are mutaros both to their husbands and to the yavam. So we'll say three cases. Some women mutter to their husband, usher to the yavam. Some women usher to the husband, mutter to the yavam. And some women mutaros to both. And of course, the fourth category, Vasuros, I'm sorry, um, I'm sorry, And then there's the fourth category of women who are Asuros, both to their husband as well as to their Yavam. Good. Rabbi let's go through the list. Here we go. So what's the example? What's the category of women who are mutter to their husband? Sorry. Mutter to their husband, but Asur to their Yavam. What's an example of this? Here we go. Kohen had yot, shenasa salmona, v'yeshlo ach kohen gadol. So I will say, here's an interesting case. A kohen who married an almona, and he has a brother who's the kohen gadol. So I will say, so now watch this. Remember again, kohen, gadol, kohen marrying an almona, mutter aser, mutter, kohen, regular kohen, regular kohen marrying an almona, mutter. So I will say, so here the woman is muteres to her husband, but now, if her husband were to die without children, the surviving brother is a coin gadol. Coin gadol can't marry an almona. So this is a case of being mutter to the husband, aser to the aser to the yavam, or chalal shenasa kshera v'yeshlo ach kasher. Or about another case, another case. Chalal, remember again, I will say chalal is a product of a forbidden kohanic union. So let's say a coin marries a grusha, they have a child. That child is called a chalal. So I will say here's the case. Chalal marries a Bas Yisrael. Mutter Aser. Mutter. Chalal can marry a Bas Yisrael. So, right? And then what happens? This Chalal, however, happens to have a brother who is a Kasher Kohen. Now, I'll say again, so if Chalal dies, could, right, could the brother do Yibum? And the answer is no. Because remember, again, once a Chalal has relations with a woman, he makes her a Chalala. And once she becomes a halala, she is not permitted to marry a Kohen. So once again, another case, muteris to the husband, prohibited to the Yavam. One more. Yisrael, here's another case. Yisrael marries the Yisraelis, right? Totally fine, right? It's a mutter marriage. But the Yisrael has a brother who's a mamzer. Because also remember again, Yibum applies to which type of brothers? Right, paternal brothers. So remember again, 
you could be a regular guy who has a mom's or brother, right? It's your brother from your father. So the mice again, so the mice again, this is a case where she is muteris to the husband, asura to the yabam. You're talking about good. Mamzer shenasa mamzeres. Or what's another case? Mamzer marries mamzeres. Mutter aser. Mutter aser. Mutter. Mamz can marry mamzeres. Ve'eshlo ach Yisrael. And he has, the mamzer has a regular Yisrael brother. So the marriage is mutter. But if the husband dies without children, yibum would be aser. Yibum would be prohibited in these situations. So I'll say these are all cases of mutaros ba'alean v'asros li'emeyem. So I'll say this is category number one. Women who are mutter to their husband, prohibited to their yavam. Beautiful. Next. What's the interesting case? Category two are women who are permitted to the yav, should say, prohibited to their husbands, but permitted to the yavam. Okay, we're going to have a case like this. Here we go. Kohen gadol shekidish ha-samon, lo ach kohen hedjot. What's that case? One, for example, kohen gadol does kiddushin with an amana. Kiddushin with an amana. Both say mutter aser. Aser, right? And now what happens? He dies without children, and he leaves behind a, a brother who's a regular Kohen. So I both say, is an Ammonah permitted to a regular Kohen? The answer is yes. So this is a case where she is Asura to her husband, but interestingly enough, Muteres to her, to her Yavam. Good. Kasher Shunasa Chalala, the Yeshla Ach Chalala. I both say case number two, right? A Kasher marries a Chalala. So I both say, so remember again, in this case, Kasher in this case means a Kasher Kohen, right? A regular Kohen marries a Chalala, Aser, right? Aser Kohen can't marry a Chalala. So the marriage is Aser, but this Kohen happens to have a brother who's a Chalal. So now if Kohen dies, leaves his widow, his widow is Aser, right? So the wife was Aser to her husband, but she's permitted to the Chalal brother. Or Yisrael Shanasa Mamzeres. So we'll say first wide line. Right? Yisrael marries Mamzeres. We'll say Aser. Yisrael is not permitted to marry Mamzeres. V'yeshlo ach Mamzer. But if you were to die without children, ultimately she falls to Yibum to the Mamzer brother. So we'll say again, once again, permitted to the Avam, prohibited to the husband. Mamzer Shanasa Bas Yisrael. Or a Mamzer marries a Bas Yisrael. Aser. V'yeshlo ach Yisrael. But he has a Yisrael brother. So I will say in all of these cases, mutaros liyimehen va'asuros lebaale. So we'll say in all of these cases, halacha lemaisa, halacha lemaisa, the woman is mutter to the yavam, asur to the So I will say fascinating, fascinating. So this is so this is category number two. So in category number one, cases of. Mutter to the husband, Asr to the Yavam, which is both say how we started this Masechta, right? Category number two is Asura to the husband, Muteres to the Yavam. Good. Next category. Ve'elu Asuros li'elu uli'elu. Both say third category now are women who are prohibited both to the Yavam as well as, or I should say both to the husband as well as to the Yavam. Both say what are these cases? Kohen Gadol shenasa samana, v'yeshlo ach Kohen Gadol. Oh, it's interesting. So let's listen to this. A coin gadol, third white line in the Mishnah. A coin gadol marries an almana, aser, right, aser. Now what happens? And his brother is also the coin gadol. So what you say to yourself? How can you have two kohanim gedolim? Well, so you can have it. Remember again, if you have a coin gadol, right, who becomes tame. So what happens? There always has to be an acting Kohen Gadol. So you have a scan, right? A backup, right? Let's say the scan now becomes Kohen Gadol. So it's like technically speaking, the Kohen Gadol who's serving is the Kohen Gadol, but the Kohen Gadol's tummy is also the Kohen Gadol. So you could have two Kohanim Gidolim at one point in time. It could happen. I was saying in this case, they also happen to be what? They also happen to be brothers. So now I'll say, watch this. You have a Kohen Gadol married in Amana, Aser, Aser. And his brother is also Kohen Gadol. So this would be a case where she would be Asura both, Asura both to the husband as well as to the Yavam. Next. O Kohen Hedyot Kasher, Shenasa Chalala. I will say again, you have a Kohen Hedyot, regular Kohen Hedyot, who married a Chalala, Asur, V'yeshla Ach Kasher. And he has a brother who's also a Kasher Kohen. I will say in this case, she's Asura to the husband and Asura to the Yavam. Yisrael shenasa mamzeres v'yeshlo ach Yisrael, or Yisrael marries mamzeres aser, and he has a brother who's also regular Yisrael. She's a sort to both of them. Or mamzer shenasa bas Yisrael, or I will say mamzer marries a bas Yisrael 
He's a brother who's a mamzer. She's asura to the husband and asura to the avam. The Gemara says, Asuros li'elu uli'elu. So we'll say this is category number three of where a woman is, is asura both to the husband as well as the We'll say, by the way, I just want to point out, Mishnah, totally straightforward. Totally, totally straightforward. There's no, no tricks over here, no complicated cases. Just so we'll say, it's, just, it's interesting why the Mishnah feels the need to spell out all of these cases because the truth is they're very obvious. The one interesting idea that the Mishnah is conveying, I will say, is once again, a rejection of the position of Rabbi Akiva. Because we'll remember again, what does Rabbi Akiva hold? Rabbi Akiva holds, Ein Kiddushin Tovsin Lavin. Right? Rabbi Akiva holds, Kiddushin doesn't take effect in a situation of a prohibited marriage, even if it's only prohibited by a lav. We'll say these are all cases, I mean, some of them are assays, but a lot of them are lavim, but you see the marriage still works. So that is one point that's being conveyed. We'll see in the Gemara. Next, Ushar Kalanoshim. Mutaros And I'll say all other women, all other cases will be cases where the women are mutaros to their husband and to the Yavam. Okay. Shnia sofrim. So I'll say, so now we have our four categories. Category number one, mutaros to the husband, asura to the Yavam. Category two, asura to the husband, mutaros to the Yavam. Category three, asuros the elu elu, asura to both the husband and the Yavam. Category four, mutter to both the husband and the yavam. They will say, the Mishnah doesn't go through, through that last category because essentially why? If you don't fit into one of the first three, then by definition, you're in category four. But says the Gemara, shnios midivrei sofrim, shnios midivrei sofrim. They will say, I will tell you, there's an interesting muster in these kind of things where essentially what the Mishnah just did, which is quite fascinating, is said that every single marriage fits into one category, right? In other words, there's no such thing as a marriage that doesn't fit into a category. You're either one, two, three, or four, but everything is grouped somewhere, which I will say is such an incredible musr, because sometimes in life, we like to think that we could hover like in the area of parent. Right? I want to be parev, right? I don't want to be milchiks, I don't want to be fleshiks. I'm not going to be a rasha, I'm not going to be a tzaddik. I'm kind of just going to hover somewhere. And the Musar Haska from Mishnah like this is, Rabosai, you're always in one category or another. Either you're growing or you're falling. Either you're milchiks or you're fleshiks. Either you're a tzaddik or you're a rasha. There's really no such thing as living in between categories. Now, I could be a tzaddik who has a lot of faults. I could be a rasha who has some positive things. But at any given moment, we are in a category. And it's an incredible use because I both say, you know, we like to say no labels, no labels. Agree, I'm, I'm the biggest proponent for no labels, except for, except for two, tzaddik or rasha. And I will say, th- that is the label that all of us must live with and a category we have to choose. And we have to be honest, in any given moment, what category am I in? Where, where, where am I? Am I going up? Am I going down? There's no such thing as remaining stationary in life. And if I think that I'm stationary, chances are if I've categorized myself as someone in a holding pattern, if I'm honest with myself, holding pattern means what? Means what? I'm falling. I'm regressing. There's no such thing as standing in place. And I will say, that's the most asking. You can take every single marriage, every single marriage that exists in this world, and it has to fit in one of these four categories. Because in life, again, we always categorized in one way or another. And that's why it's so important, just from a self-identification perspective, just from a, from a, from a direction of life perspective, to figure out in this moment, what category do I fit into? So the Gemara goes weiter. The Gemara says, Shnios medivrei sofrim. So we'll say it's an interesting case. Shnios, we, we, we had this much earlier on in the Masechta. We'll say the case of Shnios is the case of rabbinic erva. Right? So remember again, these are cases that are not, these are cases that are not asr midoraisa, but Lamai said these are cases of rabbinic, rabbinic erva. So in the cases of Shnios medivrei sofrim, Shnia labal velo Shnia liyavam, so you could have a case of a woman who's a shnia to her husband. So she is rabbinically prohibited to her husband, but yet again, not rabbinically prohibited to her yavam. In that case, 
Asur Labal, Umuteras Liyavam. She is Asur to her husband, Mutter to the Yavam. Shnia Liyavam, Velo Shnia Labal. So you could also have the case of a woman who is a Shnia to her Yavam, but not the Shnia to the husband. Asur Liyavam, Muteras Labal. Shnia Lazet Ulaze. Asura Lazet Ulaze. And if she's a Shnia to both of them, Ultimately, again, she's a story to both of them. We'll say, what, 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 well, we're going to see exactly what the Mishnah is doing over here. What do I need this line for? But on the most basic level, whereas the first four categories we're talking about Isure Daoraisa, the Mishnah now is adding in that, by the way, you could create this same construct ultimately with Shneos, with rabbinic arayos, with rabbinic prohibitions as well. Good. So as I said, the Gemara Ein, Ein Lohem, Loksuva, this is going to get very interesting. I mean, it's all been interesting. This is where it gets even more interesting. I will say, if a man marries a woman who is a shnia, right? Who is a shnia, right? So a man marries a woman who is a rabbinic erva. So there are ramifications of this. Number one, ain't la loksuva. We'll say, so there's number of ramifications. Number one, she doesn't get a ksuva. Right? A wife, a wife in a rabbinically prohibited marriage doesn't get a ksuva. And I will say, this is fascinating. And why is it fascinating? Because I will say, it sounds the Mishnah so it sounds like from this Mishnah, what happens if you married a woman who's an Isidaraisa to you? Does she get a ksuva? Does she get a ksuva? What would you say? Based on the Mishnah. Sounds like yes. In other words, the Mishnah didn't say anything about that, right? So saying, the Mishnah made no statement that a woman who is Asr Daraisa doesn't get a ksuba. The first time the Mishnah is mentioning this is by Shneos. Is by Shneos, right? Which sounds like that it's only in the case of Shneos that there's not going to be, an, uh, not going to be a ksuba, but perhaps by Isra Daraisa there will be a ksuba, which is like wild. So again, hold on to it. We have a lot of, a lot of exciting things coming down the pike over here. And look, Sunambosh doesn't have ksuba. Number two, Veloperos. I will say, look at Rashi just a moment. This is actually very interesting. Veloperos. We're not going to get into this right now. This has to do again with the halachos of redeeming one's wife from captivity, which we'll get to in the Gemara a little bit more. But I will say, but for our purposes today, if we have time, I'll go back to it a little bit more. For our purposes for today, what I want to highlight is like this. Loperos means two things. When a woman, most of we have this in Yavamis, there are two different types of property that a woman brings into a marriage, right? Little Chazar. What are the two types of property? Nichsei Melug, Nichsei Tzom Barzel. What's the difference between them? Nichsei Tzom Barzel are evaluated at the time of the marriage. Husband guarantees the value upon death or divorce, husband or his estate pays the value of the property. Whether they increased or decreased, he's locked in for the value. Nichsei Melug, what's the halach Melug? He takes no achrayas over the property. Husband gets payros, rights to use the property. And upon death or divorce, property is returned as is. And by the way, if it's fully used up and there's nothing left, there's nothing left. But Lamaisa, property is returned as is. When the Mishnah says low payros, what that really means is as follows. When a husband, when a man marries a woman who's a shnia to him, number one, he doesn't really get the right of payros. That's right. But even if he uses it, even if he uses the property, really not, even though he's, he doesn't, he's not entitled to it, he doesn't have to pay her for that illegal usage. That's what it means for payros. So he doesn't get payros, but if he used payros, he's not obligated to pay her for any, any, any property or any payros he used over the course of the marriage. For Lomazonos, he's not obligated to support her. Rashi says over here, for Lomazonos, Rashi has a lot of, a lot of ancillary kids, I'm not going to get into now. For Lomazonos, I will say, Belos is very interesting. Belos, look at Rashi, if a woman brought in property, I'll, say, I'll give you an example. Let's say a woman brought into the marriage a nice, a nice warm coat. A nice warm coat. Okay, I'll say, and let's say, again, it's a man's coat. Right? So again, it was her father's, her grandfather, she brought it into the marriage. Right? What is, under normal circumstances, what is husband allowed to do with that coat over the course of marriage? He can wear it. He could wear it. So I will say, let's say now they get divorced. 20 years later, they get divorced. So and let's say this is called Mikhsay Malog. What is the husband obligated to do with the, with the coat? With the coat? Return it. Now I will say, let's say the coat is all worn out, right? It's not in such good condition. That's called belows. 
right? Any type of worn out property. Husband is still obligated to give back belos. Apparently in the case where the marriage is rabbinically prohibited, husband is not obligated to give back belos. He's not obligated to give back the worn out clothing. Now I both say, what I will point out is when you look at this Mishnah, what's strange about this? It sounds like who is penalized for this marriage? Who's penalized? The woman, which is so strange. There has not been one penalty levied against the man for this marriage. The Gemara is going to address this. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss this. Seems very one-sided. Vavlad Kasher. Interestingly enough, so as much as you have all of these financial penalties in this rabbinically prohibited marriage, the offspring, the offspring is absolutely kosher. Kofino Solotzi. But we force a man to divorce his wife. We'll say, even though, again, this is, quote-unquote, only an Isra de Rabbanon. Amara lekoin gadol, grusha vechalutza lekoin hediot, mamzira unesina li Yisrael, bas Yisrael, so we'll say these are all probity cases, right? A coin gadol marries an amara, or a grusha, right? Or a grusha and a chalutza to a regular coin, or a mamzeris and an esina to a Yisrael, or a bas Yisrael who marries an esina or a mamzer, yesh lahen ksuva. We'll say, there it is. There it is. Absolutely, unequivocally, overwhelmingly wild. Right? So we'll say, now the mission, this mission just told me in the same breath that anyone who is in a rabbinically prohibited marriage, woman doesn't get a ksuva. And yet the Mishnah then goes through all the lists, the list of Isurei Daraisa, a biblically prohibited marriage. And the Mishnah says unequivocally, these women get a ksuva. How you understand that distinction, we'll see in the Gemara. So we'll say, let's go weiter. Says the Gemara. So we'll say, we're going to begin with the first case. So my area, the Tani Nasa, Lisni Kiddush. So we'll say, let's go back for just a moment. Category number one. Category number one was, uh, what was the category of women who are mutter to their husband and asr to the Yavam. So we'll say, what was the first case? Kohen Goin Hedyot Shenasa Es Ha'almana. Right, so case number one was a coin hedyot who married an almana, regular coin who marries an almana. So we'll say, so again, let's go through the case. And what was the case? His brother was the coin gadol. So this is a case. Marriage is permitted because a regular coin is permitted to marry an almana. What's the problem? If he dies without children and she falls to the brother coin gadol, coin gadol can't marry an almana. The Mishnah Gemara asks an interesting question. Why do you have to say it's a case of a coin who married an almana? You can make the same case, listen, Kiddish. You can make the same idea, Rabbi Sayyid, what? That he was Mekadesher. He was Mekadesher. A Kohen was Mekadesh and Amana, and then he died. Right? You don't even have to go to full fledged marriage. Once there's Kiddushin with an Amana, why, Rabbi Sayyid, why? Because Lemais, remember again, she's already in Amana. She's right in Amana. So once there's Kiddushin with the brother, right? Once there's Kiddushin, I'm sorry. Once there's Kiddushin with the Kohen, even if the Kohen dies, right? Because we, we pass in that there's Yibum, even from Kiddushin. Once the brother dies and she falls to the Kohen Gadol, she can't do Yibum or he can't do Yibum because now she's in Amana. I want to point out, she, she's already in Amana, right? Not in Amana from the death of her now Kohen husband. She, remember, he married in Amana. So why do you have to get into a case of Nisuin? Just simplify it. It could even be Kiddushin. To which the Gemara says, So we'll say, maybe, maybe the issue is like this. Maybe because once, once this Amana marries the actual Kohen, the Kohen brother, then maybe there's an Asena Lo Sase for the Kohen Gadol. The, as, the Lo Sase is he can't marry an Amana, and the Ase is that he has to marry a Besula. Because we'll say, maybe we're talking about a woman over here who again was widowed from her first marriage from Kiddushin, right? And now if she were to be widowed from her second marriage from Kiddushin, she could still be a basula. So maybe if, if, it's a, if it's a widowhood from Kiddushin, maybe all it is, is it's just, an, it's just a low sase. If she's widowed from Nisuin, then she's a widow and she's also not a basula. Aval Kiddush, Because maybe, 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 if she's widowed from Kiddushin, maybe since it's only a low sase, maybe we should say that what? The assay of Yibum should go ahead and trump the low sase of Amana. The Mar says, but one second, the Hakula Pirkin This goes back to the beginning of the Masefta. That's not true. We've already established. We've already established. I will say the only low sase. That Yibum is able to trump is which Losase? The only Losase is Eshesach. 
right? Marrying your brother's wife. That, that's the only Mosas Yabos. Again, that's the great novelty in Yibum, right? The great novelty in Yibum is that this is a relationship that is briefly prohibited, yet the Torah is saying not only is it mutter, but it's a mitzvah. But that's the only losase that Yibam could trump. Any other losase, by definition, blocks Yibam from occurring. To which the Gemara says, to which the Gemara says, Mishum the Misni. So I will say, just, so honestly, we're just trying to figure out why does the Gemara, why does the Mishnah set up the first case as a coin hedyot who didn't sue in with an amana, set it up as a case of a coin hedyot who did kiddushin with an amana. And you can make the same point. Rather, the Gemara says, "Mishum the Kabbalah misni sefer." Because of us, we have the end of the Mishnah. What's the end of the Mishnah? Kohen Gadol shenasa es haalmana. Because the last case of the Mishnah, sefer in the Mishnah, was a Kohen Gadol who married an almana. And I will say, in that case, dafka nasa deshavya chalala. I will remember again. Then, if the Kohen Gadol marries an almana and he has a brother who's also a Kohen Gadol, I'm sorry, has a brother who's a regular Kohen. So neither, right? So that's a case of where she's prohibited to the husband. And prohibited to, prohibited to the brother. Now, I will say, she, the, this one only becomes prohibited to the brother who's a regular coin. How? After she becomes a halala. I will say, how does she become a halala? Only through bia. Only through bia. So you have to set that up as a case of nisuin. Avakide shariyale. Because I will say, technically speaking, if you have a coin gadol who did kiddushin with an amana, and then the coin gadol dies, and the surviving brother is a coin hadyot, could he do yibum with this woman? Yeah, the answer is yes, which is fascinating, right? Because why? Because all she is is an amana, right? Amana is permitted to a coin head yot, and she's not the halala. Because she only becomes the halala after bia. So therefore, again, say, therefore, since because I have to set up that case as nisuin, therefore, just for Mishnaic symmetry, tanin nami reisha nasa, we also established the first case as a case of nasa. Va'adatani mishum seifa, listening mishum itziyasa, but I will say, if you want to maintain Mishnahic symmetry, why didn't you look at the Sefer? Look at the middle case. Kohen Gadol Shekidish has Ha'amana V'yeshlo Ach Kohen Hedyot. I will say, what about the case of the Kohen Gadol, who was Mekadish the Ha'amana, and he has a brother who's a Kohen Hedyot? So I will say, again, why don't you set that up as a case of Nasa as well, or as, as a case of Kiddish as well? So the Gemara says, V'adatani Mishum Seifa, listening Mishum Itziyagot, Elo Mishum Bas Buksa, so let's listen to this. What's bas buksa? Look at Rashi. El mishum bas buksa. Last last line in Rashi. Hadetani nasa bereisha de perikin mishum bas buksa kolumar hashnuya b'tzida. The reason we set up the first case as dealing with the case of nisuin is in order to make it symmetrical to the case right next to it. What's the case right next to it? To which the Gemara says el mishum bas buksa de kabayle misne chalal shenasa kshera. Because we'll say the case right after it is the Chalal who marries a regular Yisraelis. Now, we'll say in that case, and let's say again, he has a brother who's a Kohen. That's a case ultimately again where it's permitted to the husband, prohibited to the Yavam. But the only way it becomes prohibited to the Yavam is how? Time of the Nasa the Shavi Chalala is if there's marriage, i.e., Bia, because then she becomes a Chalala. Avakidish Shariyale, but if it was just Kiddushin, ultimately she'd be permitted to the Yavam. Mishum Hachi. Katani Nasa. Therefore, I will say we set up the first case as Nasa. So therefore, I will say Halacha Lemaisa. All the Gemara is pointing out over here is that the first case in the first category, remember again, first category, women who are permitted to their husband, but usher to the Yavam. The first example of that was a Kohen Hedyot who married an Amana and has a brother who is the Kohen Gadol. So she's mutter to her husband, Asura to the Yavam. The Gemara just points out you could have established the same case as what? Where the Kohen, where the Kohen, Hedyot, didn't do Nisun, but did Kiddush. The Gemara says, you're right, you're right. But just to preserve symmetry, we made it a case of Nisun. Beautiful. So the Gemara says, Umayt, you're your diktani amana. Why do you set this up as a case of amana? If we're dealing now with the case, ultimately again, where there was Nisun, so why do you have to set it up as a case of a coin hedyot married in Amana? Right? The Gemara says, listni besula. Just make it a regular case of besula. And what? When the coin dies, when the coin, right? We'll say again, if a coin, right? Listen how the first case is set up. Coin hedyot marries in Amana, right? He dies. Widow falls before coin gadol for yibum. So we'll say, so this is a case of where she's muteris to her husband, can't do yibum. Says the Gemara, I'll make it much simpler. Make it a regular case of marriage. 
of a coin hedyot who married a besula. Then what happens? He dies. When he dies, what does his wife become? An almana. And if the almana is falling to her brother-in-law, who's a coin gadol, can he do yibum? No, because the coin gadol is not permitted to marry, to marry an almana. So, in other words, you don't have to make it a case of a woman who has a pre-existing condition, right? Of an almana, right? Lamaisa, even if she was a besula, he still can't do yibum with her. What a great kasha. The Imara says, my ear, they tell you, almana, listen to besula. I'm a base. Shabbos says, it's actually quite fascinating. Oh, we actually had this at the beginning of the Mesechta. do you remember this? This, this, this had to do with, Rebosai, when is Yibum eligibility solidified and concretized? Remember, we had this homach locus, Rebosai. There are two opinions, right? What are the two opinions? Opinion number one, at the moment of marriage, right? At the actual moment of marriage, is when Yibum eligibility is solidified and concretized. Second opinion said, no. When is Yibum eligibility solidified and concretized? At the time of the death of the husband. Right? Two different, two different periods. So the Gemara says, maybe our Tana holds that Yibum eligibility is solidified and concretized at the time of the marriage. Oh, interesting. If that's the case, then what, Rabbi Then when a coin hedya marries a basula, we look at this woman as what? As what? It's a basula. And therefore, again, when her Kohen Hedyot husband dies, maybe what? Maybe what? Kohen Gadol brother-in-law should be permitted to go ahead and do Yibum. And that's why the Mishnah Dafka has to set it up as a case of where the Kohen Hedyot is marrying an Amona. She has the pre-existing condition. We'll say, look at Rashi. Nisu and Arishonim. Shenasa ach shemes mapilin osal Yibum. Ubasar hachi shaita azlinon. Vi'ilav amona me'achar havi. Shavu'ilin the kohen So say, incredible. Maybe, maybe, if you hold, this is so exciting. Maybe if you hold that Yibum eligibility is solidified and concretized at the time of the marriage. So if a kohen is marrying a basula, we forever look at this woman, kiviyachal as what? A basula. And therefore, even once her husband dies, kohen gadol is permitted to do Yibum with her. And that's why it's only because she comes into the marriage with the designation of an amana that he can't do even with her. To which the Gemara says, It doesn't work. The case of the Chalal who married a Kshera, which is a permitted marriage, but then we say that the Chalal has a brother who's a regular Kohen, and the Chalal dies, surviving brother can't do Yibum which tells you that I do not determine Yibam eligibility at the time of the marriage. To which the Gemara says, Havada Mishum Seifa, the Kabbalah the Seifa, once again, I will say it's all about symmetry, right? Because the Seifa says, Kohen Gadol Shinosa Samana, Ve'yishlo Ach Kohen Gadol. Shabbos said, we need it for the end of the Mishnah. What was the end of the Mishnah? Kohen Gadol marries an Almana, and he has a brother who's also a Kohen Gadol, or Kohen Hedyot. So the Gemara says, I'm sorry, uh, So we'll say once again, just to maintain symmetry between the Reisha and the Seifa, we dafka use the case of Amana. Beautiful. So we'll say, now let's go. Let's get a little bit technical for just a few moments. So Rapapa raises the Kasha. So Papa raises the following question. If we subscribe to the following concept of Rav Dimi, say, what did Rav Dimi say? Here we go. We just had this a few days ago. Remember, we had this discussion about whose identity. In this case, so let's say we have converts and the type of converts who are limited in entry for multiple generations. So let's say, for example, Mitzvi Shani, man is a second generation Mitzvi, who marries a Mitzvi Shona, first generation Mitzvi. Well, remember again, when could Mitzvi join the General Assembly of Klal Yisrael? Third generation. So second Mitzvi Shani marries a Mitzvi Shona, Bina Shani. Their offspring is a Shani. First of all, say this, this Gemara, or this statement, really following the idea that the offspring follows the identity of the mother. So the mother was Rishona, therefore her son is a Shani. Shabbos said, now watch this. What the Gemara is asking is as follows. What Rapapa is asking over here is, there are cases that the Mishnah left off. There are additional cases that you could include. What's an example of an additional case you could include? Here we go. So the Gemara said, listening Nami, 
mitzvi sheni shenasa shte mitzviya. So we'll say, here we go. Include the following case. A mitzvi sheni who married two mitzvios, two Egyptian converts. Achaz rishona v'achaz shniya. One is a rishona, one is a shniya. V'hayulo banim me rishona shniya. And I'm going to say, he has sons from both of these women. So remember again, the son from the rishona, right, will be what? A sheni. And the son from the shniya will be what? A shlishi. say a sheni is permitted to marry who? Either another sheni or a rishon, right? A shlishi is permitted to marry who? A Yisraelis. All right. Well, she, she can marry, right? She, she can marry a sheni, but can also marry regular Yisraelis. So the Gemara is like this. Enos of Kirachayu. If both of these sons marry the women they're permitted to marry, mutaros labalein rasos liyemein. This would be a case, I'll say, ultimately again, where their wives would be permitted to their husbands, but as suros to their yavam. V'i'epoch, v'nasav, and I will say, if they don't marry women who they're permitted to marry, then ultimately again, mutaros liyemein, v'asuros labalein. Ultimately, again, they'd be permitted to their yavam, but also to their husband. Rabbi say, all that's happening here is Rabbi is coming along and saying we could have included another case in the Mishnah, right? Of a man who marries two mitzri, right? A mitzri sheni, a mitzri sheni who marries two women, one a rishona, one a shnia. They each have a son, one son a shlishi, one son a sheni. If the sons marry correctly, then there'll be a case of where the woman is permitted to the husband, prohibited to the yavam. And if they marry incorrectly, it's a case of... Permitted to the Yavam, also to the sons. We'll say, we look at this case and we say to ourselves, I'm so happy this wasn't included in the Mishnah, right? Baruch Hashem. So listen to this. So mutaros li'elu li'elu, what will be the case of mutaros to both? So ultimately again, Gioros, where they married a Gioros, asuros li'elu li'elu, what will be the case ultimately where, there be, where the woman will be ushered to both husband and Yavam, islandess. So I'll say, all that's happening over here is coming along Rav Papa and saying, by the way, lest so say, you read this Mishnah, and you look at this Mishnah as being an all-encompassing Mishnah. All the cases are listed over here. All Rav Papa's coming along to say is, not true. Not true. You left off a couple of cases. To which the Gemara says, you're right. Tan of Ashir. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. By no means does the Mishnah mean to be an exhaustive, all-encompassing list. Right? I will say, all the Mishnah means to do is to set out a framework. In order to set out a framework, what do we do? I will say, we create four categories. And what do we do in the categories? What do we do? What do we do? We give some examples. Some examples. Is it all the examples? No. No. We've left off some cases. To which the Gemara says, really, what other cases did you leave off? To which the Gemara says again, um, I'm sorry. Shir. My shir, the hashir. So I say, so remember again, if you want to tell me that the Mishnah left off cases, it's not just to say to say that it left off one example. You have to give me at least more than one example in order to, to, to give a legitimate answer that the Mishnah is not all-encompassing. I'll tell you, what did it, what did it leave off? Petsu Adaka. All right, we'll say all roads lead back to Petsu Adaka. All right, so we'll say, so you can't get away from this. Let's say, so, so Lemaise again, Lemaise again, Petsu Adaka. We left off the case of Petsu Adaka. Now, both say, what's the case of Petsu Adaka? Look at Rashi. Sheer Petsu Adaka. So there is a case of a Petsuadaka who marries a Yisraelis, right? So here's a case, and let's say he has a regular Yisrael brother. So listen to that. So Petsuadaka marries a Yisraelis. This would be a case of what? Where she's Asura to her husband, because the Petsuadaka is not permitted to marry a Yisraelis, but what? She'd be permitted to her husband. So that case is not in the Mishnah. So you see from here that the Mishnah is not consi- the Mishnah is not striving to be an all-encompassing Mishnah. So we left off the case of Petsuadaka. We also left off the case of Mitri. And no, 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 no. That, that's not a good answer. Because I will say, if you're going to give me the case of Petsuadaka, that's not considered to be an omission. Why not? Because I will say, remember again, the Mishnah included the phrase, Milo katani vahadar. I'm sorry. So the Mishnah says, Vahadahat honey ve chaybe lavin. So we'll say, we said chaybe lavin. So we'll say, the fact that the Mishnah mentioned chaybe lavin includes all chaybe lavin. So once you say chaybe lavin, you don't have to keep going through each individual case. One second. The Gemara says, Atu chaybe lavin. Milo katani vahadar. So the Gemara says, Milo katani vahadar tani. Vahad katani. Kohen head yochina samana. Vahaloshina sekshera. Now we'll say, but that's not fair, because even though the Mishnah said, Chai Lavin, 
If the Mishnah would have just said Chayvei Lavin, not given examples, fine. But the Mishnah says Chayvei Lavin and still what? I say still what? Still goes and gives specific examples. If that's the case, why not also mention Suadaka? To which the Gemara says, no, no, no. Hahu the Rabbi say, these other cases that are mentioned, like the Kohen Hedyot who marries an Amana, the Chaval who marries a Kshera, right? These cases are needed in accordance to Rabbi Huda. So the Gemara says, Dam Rabbi Huda Marav, Lo Husaru Ksheros Li Nasei Lipsulin. Oh, I will say, this is going to be tomorrow, we're going to talk, focus this on tomorrow's daf, which is actually quite fascinating, which is, I will say, according to Rabbi Huda, the name of Rav, there is no problem. Ksheros, I will say, in this case means... Kohanos, women who come from Kohanic families. Rabbi Huda says in the name of Rav that there is no problem for a Kohanes to marry a Psula. Others are both saying, you might have thought that a woman who comes from a Kohanic family should have certain limitations on who she marries. But Rabbi say, Kamash Molon, she does not. She does not. She can marry whoever she wants. Baharaya Rabose, again, you have these cases of, for example, a Kshera who marries a Chalal. So that's what the Mishnah is coming to teach me. So the Gemara says, I included in the Mishnah the cases of a Chalal who married a Kshera. Or Yisrael, who marries a Basi, so only has a brother who's a Mamzer. Ha nami lo mahadar misni, dashmu inon, lav shein shava bakal. Rabbi say these are examples of a love that does not apply equally to everyone. The kamash malon, lav hashava bakal. I'm sorry, the kamash malon, lav hashava bakal. And I will say, ultimately, again, it's coming to teach us, ultimately, about a love that's applicable to everyone. So Gimara says, katani, ha katani, Yisrael shenosa mamzeres. I, what about the case ultimately of a situation of Yisrael marries Mamzeres? And he has a brother who's a regular Yisrael. So again, the bottom line to all this, is just remember, let, let's, let's take a step back. Let's take a step back. Rav Papa, Rav Papa started this whole conversation. And what was Rav Papa's problem? Rav Papa, what's your problem? Right? What's your problem, Rav Papa? The problem is, Rapapa says the Mishnah is incomplete. The Mishnah is incomplete. Right? You're bringing up four categories, four categories, and I want to give, and, and you, you give examples in each category, and the Mishnah seems to present itself as a holistic picture. Rapapa says, not true. I'm going to show you a case that you're missing. What's the case where you're missing? Missing. Amisushani marries two women. One is a Rishon, one is a Shani. There is two sons. The sons marry. Again, we'll say quickly, if the son marry, if the sons marry quote unquote correctly, halakhically appropriately, that'll be a case. Women who are permitted to their to their husband, permitted to the Yavam. Marry incorrectly, that'll be a case permitted to the Yavam, Asura to the husband. To which the Yamarsa Papa, calm down. Calm down. Ton of Ashir. The Mishnah's case, the Mishnah does not mean to be all inclusive. All inclusive. To which the Gemara says, okay, so what else is missing? Petsuadaka. Petsuadaka is included in the statement that says love. But one second, if love was supposed to be all encompassing, then don't give other examples of love. So the Mishnah goes through this whole back and forth. Rebbe say, bottom line conclusion is, conclusion is, the Mishnah is not complete. The Mishnah is not complete. But Rebbe say, it's not a chisaran in the Mishnah. The Mishnah did not set out to be complete, right? The Mishnah just went ahead and set out ultimately again to go ahead and give me a basic picture, but does not mean to encompass every single case. Now, I will say tomorrow we're going to pick up Emirates Hashem. The beginning of the daf is going to be focused on the statement of Rabbi Hud in the name of Rav, namely the ability ultimately of Kshiros, Kohanos, to go ahead and marry Lechatrila, genealogically blemished men. So we'll say we'll stop over here for today. We'll say, I'll just, um, I'll just, I'll just mention, you know, today's Memorial Day. And, you know, it, it's interesting to note that, you know, it, it's a greater society. So the godless of today, of course, is what? It's a day off from work. But, I will say, but it's, it's such an incredibly important day. You know, we, we are privileged to be citizens of this great country. And while it's true that as Jews, Libi b'mizrach, Right, like Rabbi Nachman says, my heart is right. Leave Mizrach, right? But as Rabbi Nachman says, l'chomakom shani holich ani holich l'irushalayim ani holich l'aretz Yisrael. Our hearts are always in Eretz Yisrael. One day our bodies will be there as well. 
But until that time, we're privileged to be, to be citizens of this great country. And it's important to understand that the freedoms we have, they're not just like appear out of nowhere, that there are men and women who give their lives and are willing to risk their lives each and every day to secure our democracy, to secure our freedoms. And the freedoms that often we take for granted come with, with the highest price. And throughout the, from the founding of this country, there are those men, brave men and women who have been willing to pay that price. You know, in Eretz Yisrael, because you see soldiers everywhere, it's easy to go ahead and express your akaras atov. I think here in America, right, it's rare, when you, it's rare to see someone in uniform. It's rare to see someone in uniform. At the airport, sometimes you'll see someone in uniform. So sometimes, you know, we're, we're out of touch with this often because Baruch Hashem, our wars are not fought here, right? Our wars, the, right, the battles that are fought are fought overseas, often battles that we are never even aware of. But I will say, on a day like today, it's so important if you know a veteran, right? You know someone who has donned the uniform and has been willing to go ahead and put their life on the line, say thank you. Say thank you. Express your akaras because the fact that we're able to gather here, learn dafyomi together, go ahead and daven together, it's true. Unfortunately, we live in times now where we need security outside. But the ability of religious freedom is one of the most greatest gifts that we have. But that gift comes because people have and are willing to pay the ultimate price. So if you happen to run across someone in uniform, make sure to express your akaras atov. But at the end of the day, if you're not going to run across someone in uniform, we all know someone who served in the armed forces. We all know someone who is willing to give for this country. Take the time to say thank you. Take the time to say, I enjoy my life in this country and I enjoy my freedoms. I enjoy my liberty here because you were ready and willing to make the sacrifice. Thank you. And in the schus of that Akhar Satov, our men and women of the armed forces have incredible siyata dishmaya to continue to fight for our liberties to our freedom and the battles probably that we'll never know about. They should be successful in all of their endeavors and Amir Hashem come back to their families whole and in peace.